Hello, and welcome to the Cap City Presents podcast. I am your host, Andy Remex Moreno, and we have our special guest here. Her name is Roxy Boggio. She is an AV tech. She's a sound engineer. She's a show booker. Uh, overall, badass. How, what would you describe your job position, Roxy? Not a sound guy, but a sound engineer. Uh, Did I yeah. say sound guy? No, <laughs> but everybody does. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm a Roxy of all trades. I think that's how I, I could put it. Um, I've been, you know, a bartender and I've been a dog groomer. And then like, I came down here, uh, to finish my degree in community-based media. And now I work in audio and video production, basically. It's the gist. Um, my side hustle is booking shows and running sound at shows. Awesome. And also, I did forget to mention you are a DJ on KAOS 89.3 FM. Yeah, Chaos Community Radio. Support your community and, radio stations. And how long have you been with Chaos? Five years. Awesome. And before that, I was an intern at KEXP in Seattle. Awesome. Okay, sweet. Um, How, how did you get involved in, in radio? Especially, I mean, KEXP and Chaos, they're some of the best, obviously. Yeah, I've always been just really obsessed with music and wanted to be around other people that felt the same way and yeah uh i went in for dj training as soon as i moved down here to olympia and been on the air ever since awesome sweet um when can we listen to your show on kaos right my show is called divine unheard it's thursdays 1 to 3 p.m i just started taping it from home and it airs every week. Uh, you can listen on the archive as well, RadioFreeAmerica.com. And the show is really focusing um, around representation in the music industry and playing a lot of self-release music. And every single week I play all LGBTQ and um, femme-identifying artists. Sweet. So you heard that? That was uh, every Thursday from 1 to 3 on KAOS 89.3 FM. All sorts of genres. Um, so you had mentioned that you've been recording your show from home. How has that impacted your life versus going into the studio at Chaos? I mean, everybody at Chaos, they're all the homies, you know. I love going over there to go see them. It's not that different because I still have my dog next to me. I usually bring the dog with me to the show. So Aww. it's the same at home. Shout out to Pups on the radio. DJ Good Boy. <laughs> yes, DJ Good Boy. <laughs> so you've been a show booker in Olympia for for how long now? Since I moved here, yeah. I started kind of uh, flirting with the idea of booking some shows as soon as I moved down. And October, so I moved here in July, and then by October I, w I was uh, setting stuff up at Obsidian, which closed and then became Octapas after when they reopened with new business owners and uh, in the same space, which holds about 200 people in the back room. And before I got at Octapas, I was at Cascadia Brewing Company, which is in the building directly below where we're recording this right now. Shout um, out Cascadia. <laughs> yeah, Cascadia Brewing Company, which um, they went out of business. And I did book shows for them. The owners were pretty nice. Like, 
booking shows there was really fun. Um, and they closed in, and then within like a week of me posting on social media, um, I got another job at Octopus. Awesome. And I've also booked other shows, other places, like at house shows, at Rhythm and Rye, um, the Pig Bar, Lavoyer. Tight. All the good spots. Shout out all those places. Support local music when we can, eventually. Let's hope to. Um, so you said that Evergreen brought you to Olympia. What do you think brings touring musicians to Olympia? Yeah, the local music scene history here is so, so rich in the DIY, Riot Girl, a lot of self-released, putting stuff out on cassette tapes. It's it's the scene here. It's just such a strong scene history. I mean, we're right next to Capitol Building, where so many epic shows have taken place. I heard that like right below where we are at right now is like Nirvana played down there. I think we can say that about a lot of places. Yeah, uh, yeah true. <laughs> I don't know about like, you, but uh, I've definitely had touring musicians ask like, hey, do you know where Nirvana has played before? And I'll just like point to the ground. Yeah. Because like, yeah, Kurt was there probably uh-huh. <laughs> at some point. I've definitely had bands ask like, hey, where's Kurt Coman's old house? And I'm like, I how, how should I know? <laughs> Actually, I do know. And I, I went to a party at it once. Nice. Yeah. My friend Quill lived there. Did it have a cool name like the Cobain House? I can't remember what they called it. I've never actually been a big Nirvana fan, so I just kind of went over my head. You know, growing up here, I I, I listened to a, a lot of Nirvana. I mean, as you know, it, like you're from Everett, so I'm sure you heard it all over the radio all the time. One thing I can say is when touring musicians will come here and they'll say like, oh, we're in Olympia. Let's play a Nirvana song. And it scares away mm. half the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> that does happen. It tends it to. It does. And yeah. Back to your question earlier, uh, why do touring artists want to come and stop here? Uh, it's, yeah, it's the, it's the music scene here. And the best way that a show to be executed is if the touring band and the local bands actually like each other's music and want That's super to support important. one another and mix well sonically. Yeah. For sure. Super important. I mean, unless we want to go with mixed bills, like that's always fun. Mixed bills are fun. Yes. That's always good to have a little bit of variety. It'll throw the audience a little bit and they might be enticed. They might not. Right. It's always a it's, gamble. It's always hit and miss. You know mm-hmm. as well as I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so going back to, you were talking about how you've hosted house shows before. What's, what's it, what's the DIY scene like here? What is it like in Olympia? What is it like versus booking at a big venue? Of like a Seattle house show. Like I went to the Seattle house show and it was so tight. Like I don't have, like having people that I don't know touching me, especially during COVID, (laughs) but this was way before (laughs) the story that I'm talking about. I would hope so. Just this tiny, tiny, tiny basement. And like here in Olympia, yeah, there's some shows where it's like super tight, but. I don't know. There's like more room to breathe at those house shows. The house shows are really great because it's a really good opportunity for somebody to have a really good time at your show. Really dig your band enough to go up and buy merch. Maybe collect some donations when people walk in the door 
or mm-hmm. pass around a tip jar. And it's more of a special experience to be, you know, in a living room versus, you know, a, a venue that's literally a business that sells drinks and yeah, and food and, and whatnot. It's, and I, I agree with you there. The house show scene around here is, is just lovely. If there was one word to put it, it would just be lovely. Yeah. Well, each... Only mm, good vibes. Yeah, the houses kind of come and go every couple of years or so. Depends because, on who's in college. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of your favorite houses in the area? I love that they all have names. Shout out to all these party houses. Mm-hmm. Well, I loved the guest house when it was oh, I remember alive. the guest house. The Hobbit Hole is great it's run by a couple of my friends um one of my friends from the band the pine hearts and my other buddy from uh rhythm and rye and also octopus sound engineer uh kiyoshi and dean and my friend tyler shout out hobbit hole yep <laughs> shout mm-hmm. out hobbit hole they they really make it a point to please pay these artists i think their tip jar says make music profitable again that's awesome mm-hmm. <laughs> yes also I, the lighthouse i've had really good times at the lighthouse especially in the summertime you can sprawl out in their big backyard I, I watched a show on a trampoline there awesome yeah yeah you hear that throw more house shows let's have more trampoline shows mm-hmm. let's get drummers on these trampolines let's bounce with them so we we're talking about the diy scene you had mentioned that you know there's more room to sprawl at these olympia shows than than say in Seattle where everybody's cramped in a room. How do we turn DIY into DIT? Do it together. Yeah, I think it's really important that we all band together and try to pull out people to shows together, show up to shows with a group of your friends, make it a make it an experience. Exactly. I one hundred percent agree. When you're putting together that experience, when you're in the planning stage it is really important to collaborate on ideas together in order to make the show the best it can be. Right. And you never know. Something I try to stress to people is that, you know, they'll say like, oh, I don't know any of these bands, especially the touring band is usually the one on the fly where they say, oh, I don't even know this band. But you have to imagine that most of these shows have a touring band that are from, you know, a thousand plus miles away. Like they come all this way. So why not? go out and give them a chance, you know? If they're traveling a thousand miles away just to play a living room, wouldn't you want to be there to see that? Yeah, and when I am there to see that, like, for instance, when I've seen some bands that have come all the way from the other side of the country, I've seen, I've booked artists from all the way in, like, like East Asia, you know? Yeah. Um, and... I've seen bands come here from Japan. It's it's pretty it's pretty amazing the the effort that those folks put into their tour is like mind baffling. <laughs> I can tell you from a not only a promoter but from a a booking agent's standpoint, I can one hundred percent agree with you. There is so much that goes into booking a twelve to twenty day tour, and I mean, you and I both have booked artists who have been on you know. 100 day tours and yeah. the the coordination and organization is astounding. There's one band I saw and they had this Google Doc that had you know the the table of contents with it and every time they had a new hot tip they would open up their phone and type it in and for the next time they come around they, right. they know that hot tip. Yeah. 
And one way that we're super privileged, uh, and this goes back to just being a booking agent, but just in Washington alone, the the towns are so close to each other that you could potentially do uh, a five a five day tour, you know, just in Western Washington alone. Oh, five- definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could go to Seattle. You could go over to Bremerton, Port Townsend. I feel like some people are going on those coastal tours, which is you probably want to go see that area of Washington anyway. Even if it is a, a small town with five people in it, mm-hmm. but you want to see that beach. Trust me, oh, yeah. you want to see those beaches. So then leading to my next question, where does DIY D-I-E? Where does DIY die? Where does DIY die? When, when you think it's all about the money, man. <laughs> it used to be about the music. It used to Things be changed. Music. Mm-hmm. Things changed. Yeah, you can't be too driven by money. I think I think that that goes to say really working in any industry, you can't get too obsessed with money. It needs to also be a passion. Of course. 100%. We're going to take a pause here just to say a shout out to all the artists out there that are making it through this this ordeal uh that is 2020. Shout out to all of you. Love y'all. So for my next question here, uh what is a way to make local crowds stick around for touring bands? Yeah, really knowing how invested the, the local band is in in the touring band. Like if they have no interest in that band at all and don't even want to stick around to see them themselves, they're probably not going to influence their audience to do the same. Mm-hmm. Also, it helps to shout out the band while you're on stage, like if you're opening up for them then give them a shout out and be like, this band is really awesome. Please, please, please stick around. Definitely. That helps. And I think pre-show, like when you're sharing it on social media, mention the band of that's playing on tour. Um, that's really important too. And I think it's particularly important to know when these bands are on tour, often enough the local bands are playing in support of that, that touring band. They're, the touring band is the reason the show is even happening in general. So it's super yeah. important for the band I to think a, acknowledge. A lot of people think about it in a selfish way in that they think it's my show. Like local band says, this is my show, but it's everyone's show. The show it is, is for everyone's show. It's for the bands. It's for the audience. You wouldn't be there without your audience. It's And the touring band wouldn't have an audience without the local band's support, usually. Usually, yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We know. It's Olympia. It's hit and miss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have yet to hear a band. I have yet to hear. I just want this on record. I have yet to hear a touring band come to Olympia and say, we're going to play a cover. It's Olympia, Washington by Rancid. I have yet to hear it. Mm-hmm. Why? Touring bands, you've let me down. <laughs> oh, but you want to play a Nirvana cover. Great. I haven't heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> I think the point that I wanted to get across for uh, talking about like local bands supporting the touring bands is to note that when the local band wants to go on tour, they have a band to hit up. It's it's a mutual agreement to return the favor. It's sort of an unwritten code in my in my book in the you know the booking agent world or whatever. Like you can't play the same venue every month and expect the same results. Yeah. Doing the same thing over and over again is uh, the definition of insanity. Wait, did I say that right? 
doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result is the definition of insanity. Maybe if you say it again, it'll actually feel like insanity. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) So how has uh, COVID affected your line of work as far as like the booking side of things in your life. It's 100% annihilated. Yep. I don't have work. I am fully unemployed until 2021, possibly 2022. I don't have any employment. In fact, I got a call earlier today from one of my places of work. I have four jobs, by the way. I had four jobs. At five at one point. Um, one of them called me today and was just like, I just want to check in on you, make sure you're doing okay health-wise. For sure. That's awesome. And I thought that was really sweet. Another job in the AV tech industry is possibly going bankrupt. I was a worker for them, and now they're in, like, a class action lawsuit because they didn't pay anybody on time. (laughs) It's a nightmare. It sounds like it, and I definitely understand the boat that you're in, considering, you know, I had to book—I booked a 12-day tour for Rosie Plaza and People Flavor, and— Yeah. Yeah. All of July. Just gone. I am lucky enough to be on unemployment, and— you know, I was at Octapa's for a while. They're always like throwing me some some good grub for free, just because I think they miss me or something. For yeah. sure. Well, who yeah. doesn't miss live music and their favorite promoter promoting that live music? I miss it a lot. Yeah. Oh, shout out to Jamie Brayshaw. She books a lot of a lot of the shows at Octapa's as well. We work very collaboratively, and she's a badass. Shout out Jamie. Yeah. Shout out also to uh, uh, Katie at the Pig Bar. Katie is the homie. Shout out Katie at the Pig Bar. Yep. She has a lot of uh, booking. And Andy Gerdstein and Richard Williams at at Rhythm and Rye. Oh, yeah. Let's give a shout out to the other promoters in town because we're clearly like... Yeah, I feel like kinda, people... I'm just going through the list of everybody. Yeah, because like, I feel like when you and I walk down the street, people are like, oh, it's Andy and Roxy. But... I mean, who else is there? There's Josh Hoey, uh, David Nunes of Seattle area punk shows or saps. Shout out David. Lavoyer and the crypt and McCoy's are kind of just like a lot of people. Yeah, it definitely is. It's a lot of DIY. It's a lot of liars. Yes. Yeah. But shout out to all the stuff that they have at their, in their spaces because they really work hard. I know the crypt just got new ownership and, and they, uh, they've been really diversifying, their stuff they have like a new strip at the crypt show that's like burlesque uh what is it called burlesque free for all (laughs) no 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 no. okay i saw i saw like part of the show you go in and a song is picked at random and you get to strip to it it's awesome awesome (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's also like what i think is really cool about olympia and any given night you don't have to go see live music. You don't have to go see a certain genre of live music. There is music all over the town. Every freaking genre you could ever dream of in like a small town. And also you could go see a drag show. You could go see a burlesque show, poetry. There's just so many different options on any given night. As somebody, incredible. As somebody who is a frequent flyer of downtown, like while I'm hanging flyers, you know, frequent flyer or, uh, you know, I'll stop at Lavoyer, grab a drink or whatever, grab some fries and I'll usually hear some music coming out of the back. And that's the, that's the amazing part of Olympia is like you said, there's, there's entertainment any given night 
You yeah. just got to look for it. Even if you want to go down on a Monday night, which, yeah, karaoke, Monday night, Lavoyer, that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Gosh, you're you're just like making me reminisce about everything I miss about downtown Olympia because there was the Clipper. God, I love Clipper karaoke. Or playing pool at the Fourth Ave Tavern. Or just, I still have yet to check out that back room at Quality Burrito. I've yet. The back room? <laughs> you mean the little mini bar? Yeah, the bar. Yeah, it's like, it's not in the back. It's like, you go like through the door and then there's like another door on the See, side. See, I don't even know where it is. I need to check this place out. <laughs> yeah. They have great kombucha cocktails. Awesome. Ooh, I had a that's sip one thing... of one once and I was like, whoa. That's actually one thing I miss about Obsidian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're waffles. You're not a waffle eater. I never... I, it, it's not that I don't like waffles. I just never had them. <laughs> Where's the best breakfast to, in uh, Olympia pre-COVID? I'm such a breakfast yeah. person. Yeah, no, take a deep a breath. Really this is a really difficult question. Deep subject Breakfast here. is the most important meal of the day, and you're asking me to pick what the best breakfast places in Olympia <laughs> I don't know if I could do it okay uh, <laughs> do you like the reef the quality burrito all yeah the all reef. the above <laughs> all of the above you've heard that you cannot have a bad breakfast in Olympia Washington Cap City Presents endorses this message <laughs> All right, anywho. <laughs> but, but for real, though, uh, Bits Cafe, Octapas does a really good brunch on Saturdays and Sundays, and uh, the New Moon. Always a good choice. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, okay. what's for lunch? <laughs> what's the best lunch? No, I'm kidding. We would be here for hours <laughs> discussing we how. Could, yeah, we could make it a food podcast. <laughs> I would just talk about euros and burritos for a half an hour straight. <laughs> yeah. I would be fine with this. <laughs> Anywho. So when shows do come back, um, whoever, or how, however long that's going to be, 2021, 2022, what do you think is going to be the biggest differences between shows back in the day, back in our day? Versus 2021, 2022. Well, yeah, artists and everyone in the music industry has had so much time to sit and reflect. And when we move forward, we we want to go forward. We want to revolutionize the music industry because I think it desperately needs that. I mean, with streaming services going on, artists aren't being paid as much money as they used to. True. And with... Also, streaming services, like, of people just hanging out at home watching TV instead of going out to a show. Like, it's a, it's a lot of number of things. I think it's going to be really awkward in the, in coming back into going to shows. Really, I feel like the best way for a venue to approach that is to wait until it's, like, actually safe to do so. Right. Do you think, like, when people do start going back to shows, it's all going to be people in masks staying six feet apart? apart from each other it might be i think a lot of outdoor shows would happen at that rate with people in pods maybe from that live together or see each other often and not try to have too much interaction with strangers it's gonna be weird though like usually when i go to a show i go up and like hug a bunch of my friends and i miss hugging my friends yeah <laughs> it's rough mm -hmm. um but yeah i i feel the same just 
shows aren't going to be the same. What do you think we could do as show organizers to make it a better, safe, safer experience than what we already had before? I'm glad you brought that up because so often we hear from survivors of abuse who got involved with somebody and they go out a lot and yada yada. Um, It's really important to make sure that these spaces that we're striving to make them safe spaces. I don't think that you can say a space is a safe space in all certainty because you don't know everybody there and what their intentions are per se. You can only strive to make it a safe space. And I think it's really important to have the door person, the security, everyone involved, making sure that people who are around feel safe. Um, me and my friends, uh, Madeline Farias puts up really cool, um, at her dance parties, she'll put together a list of expectations of the of the crowd for her dance parties. So you don't you don't go up to somebody and just start grinding on them. You know? Yeah, no. You you need to ask consent first. There are steps before that. Yes. Gentlemen, take note. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's important to set set those rules, make it in really big print, and if if someone is feeling unsafe from whatever, you might get booted out of the place. And it's important to know that uh, you know when when people go to shows and they do feel unsafe by somebody or something that's just making them uncomfortable, that they know that they should feel comfortable coming up to either the promoter or a staff member to let them know so that we can properly create a safer space for them. Yeah, so it is important to know who your point people are when you come into a space. So hopefully that's the door person, who you, the first person you pass by collecting donations or door money or whatever, um, knowing that they are there to help try to ensure the safe space. So putting like a sign up next to the door person could be helpful. Definitely. And especially in an all ages environment too, because uh, as you know, you and I both work with all ages crowds and yeah I, I remember being that age and I of course wouldn't I would feel so uneasy if something were to happen to me and then I came I wouldn't want to go back if something were to happen so if I know that there are at least people to talk to that's yeah. important to know yeah it's I, I started going to shows at a really young age and in Seattle I had some really terrifying experiences with creepy dudes who were like preying on minors you gotta you gotta be on the lookout you know and as a sound engineer if i'm ever running sound and you see me and you need some help or you think someone else needs some help just come up and talk to me or come we'll we'll figure it out you know definitely and even if you can't help in that particular situation because you know it's obviously a job you can at least contact the person who can help in the situation like as a Employees of the oh, bar. Oh, I'll stop running the board and go help, you know? For sure. Yeah. I feel like all staff members need to be in communication for that, for any show. For any real situation. Yeah. What is your opinion on the diversity of shows that happen here in Olympia? 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of white folks live here, and a lot of white folks make music. You don't say. But there's also a lot of a lot of non cis male, non white POC artists in the area performing, and I think it is really important for us to go and scope out those artists and go check out their their art and support them on a regular basis. Definitely. As a, a POC in Olympia, I've definitely looked around the crowd as, you know, how shows are at a regular venue and thought, huh, I'm the only brown person here out of like 40, 50 people. And I would ask like the question, like, why do you think that is? Never mind. Like, I know why that is. It's Olympia. <laughs> do you see the future holding a, a change for that in particular, like diversity in in the music lineups? I freaking hope so. I know a lot of people like from Seattle, like are moving down here and you know, the city is definitely growing and I hope it's also growing in diversity and that people's mindsets are gravitating towards wanting to value diversity. Well, my friend, Shana Shepard, who's in the band Barracks in Seattle, posted about how important it is to have diversity and what the music industry's responsibilities are within that. And I'm just going to kind of list off what she wrote here. Um, She says, white artists that hire POC artists to support them at their shows have a pattern of paying those artists less than their white counterparts. I've seen this many times, white women hiring POC bands and backing artists for way less than the white male artists in the same act. There should be a transparency with the pay scale for, for all artists at jump. That should be the culture. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it certainly is unfair that, I mean, this is. Yeah. I think really being transparent on how much a band is going to make is super important. They should know if it's going to be a door split, if they're going to have a guarantee, Everything like that needs to needs to be made in agreement if they're going to have a, a writer with a hotel that night. You know, everything needs to be crystal clear it's before you come in to, to perform. It's important to have that, you know, all the specifications in an email and CC to everybody. So everybody is on yeah. the same page. And she also wrote here that uh, this is still Shana Shepard of Barracks's words. Seattle festivals should be required uh, to have 25% of book bands for their artists, for their event, be artists of color, not featuring artists of color, but body for body, 100 total artists participating, 25 openly identifying as artists of color. So you feel that once shows start coming back on a regular basis, there's going to be a lot more diversity in the lineups that are... Are There's not just going to magically be. People need to actually make. Yeah, an people need to to show people. But do you these think artists? Do you think that promoters and venue bookers are actively going to do this? I think that they are. Otherwise, they're going to be held accountable for it. Because Definitely. look at all these all these protests happening for Black Lives Matter, and really the whole entire world trying to amplify black indigenous people of color voices definitely it's yeah i mean it's not inevitable but definitely people are going to be held accountable if they just keep going about their 
booking just all white cis male artists. That is not okay. That is something that I have focused on pretty hard since I started booking shows because I was fed up at at white cis males being the majority of those in the, in the music industry and those that got praise. It's it shouldn't be that way. I feel like that is that is a, a big issue. It's 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 always you know, five white dudes on stage. And then the next band is five white dudes on stage. And then the next band yeah. is five white dudes on and stage. It isn't and always that. It's not always but that. But I think that that's what a lot of people see. And it isn't really that. There are a lot of of women producers. There are a lot of all femme bands. There's a lot of LGBTQ artists out there making making dope music. And there are ton of like really dope POC artists to check out on any given day. Definitely. Which goes back to, uh, you had mentioned that you were a, a DJ on chaos and your show is actually focused on amplifying the voices of, of POC and LGBTQ artists. So it's apparent that those, those artists are out there and they are, it's easy to access their music. Yeah. Once I started my radio show, which was years ago, I did the Wednesday Ladies First Block Party, and I was digging for music, and I was really looking for music that was like on the theme of empowerment, and that's what my show is now. It's really, the whole show is themed around empowerment and lyricism and production and just feeling good or feeling comfort in the songs. It's all feminine LGBTQ identifying artists, mostly POC, and it, it hasn't been that hard for me to find these artists. And at first, it kind of was. It was it was a lot of uh, finding like R and B women singing about how much they love their dude, you know. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then as I just kept digging in, digging, I I found a lot of music that was like centered around empowerment, and it was really freaking badass and now it's not hard for me to find a lot of that and I think I think a lot of other organizations are trying to do the same like center marginalized voices more definitely it almost feels like it's it's a market that seemed very hidden for a long time and it is now becoming more and more accessible in this day and age it is about accessibility, so making sure that your venue is focusing on booking marginalized voices often, that's, that is accessibility. Amen. Well, I think um, that about does it for this interview. Do you have any questions for me? What were five shows you went to in early 2020 that made a mark for you and make you cry every night? Because you miss them so much. Oh, gosh. Okay. Just the ones that made me cry? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the five best shows. God. Uh, my boy Mustafa and DJ Will, they performed over at uh, the Pig Bar. That was like a week before shutdown. And, uh, yeah, it was a Monday night at the Pig Bar. It was it was a fun night of hip-hop. I like the show that there. we saw over there with, at McFilers. Oh, McFilers. Shout out McFilers and Chehalis, by the way. That place is awesome. Beautiful stage. Can't wait to be back there. But yeah, we saw Mostafa at uh, at McFiler's also the Saturday prior to that Monday. That was a fun night. Um, 
Another show was uh, Linda from Work. Shout out Linda from Work in Seattle. They came down here and played with Hooligan and GMO. That was a great show. Gosh, I'm now trying to... Five? I think I could... I definitely had five. There was I, way more than five. Yeah, no, I went to at very minimum 15 I know shows that between it, it, January and February. I know that like mid-March was when everything shut down, but like in those three and a half months, there was way more than five shows. There was probably hundreds in Olympia alone. Uh, I guess number three for me, Sunday Crush played with uh, Night Hikes and Sweet Darling. God, just me saying these names, I'm just like, these names have not even come out of my mouth for months. I miss these people so much. But yeah, uh, Sunday Crush, Night Hikes, and Sweet Darling played at uh, Octopus. That was memorable. Number four, I had a show with uh, Forget Me Not, based out of uh, Marysville, or Everett area, I guess. Forget Me Not's a really cool hip-hop R&B project from up there. You can look them up at uh, Conducted by Forget Me Not. They played with Junipero. And, yeah, that was a great show at the Voyeur. Oh, I do have another question for you. Okay, well, that was that was four, at least. Yeah, you got okay, that far. Okay, all right, I got that far. <laughs> it was a long time ago. It was a simpler time. What do you think about live streaming versus going to actually be able to see a show in person? My personal opinion? I mean, it's not the same. It's really not. And I think the I can tell the band's, like, miss having people there in the room like yeah you can comment and you can like go like squint your eye and read the comment real quick and then go back to your song but like it's not the same it's It's not as personal like you you almost have the same effect of pre-recording it like we're doing this show and then putting it online you would have the same effect almost which is what a lot of people do and i know that you can pre-record it and put it on facebook there is a way to do it not on instagram though instagram has to be live okay that's good to know. I did not know this. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Thank you all for tuning in to the Cap City Presents podcast. I would like to give a shout out to our first guest, Roxy Boggio. Thank you for having me. Of course. And I would like to give a shout out to Sage, who is recording all of this. So the Cap City Presents podcast is basically a platform that I am using to raise voices for people who are going through some stuff, whether they work in the arts or the tech industry or if they're out there in the streets protesting, or if they're just trying to raise awareness for a cause that they're doing, whether it be in Olympia alone or in the surrounding area, I plan to interview a lot of the booking agents that that I worked with in the past, a lot of the artists that I worked with in the past, and see where we all project our futures. If you know somebody, or if you yourself are interested in being interviewed for this podcast, feel free to drop me a line, capcitypresents at gmail.com. And I will hopefully see you every two weeks. That is the plan. Have a good night, y'all. Be safe.